for cultivating progress across the South, for working to unconditionally improve the lives of all, and for the bold underwriting of every Gravy podcast, SFA thanks our visionary Louisville, Kentucky friends, Pam and Brooke Smith. They had to be great poems. They had to be poems varied in emotional tone, in humor, sadness, anger, prose poems, poems that rhyme, poems with imaginative, bold imagery. In some cases, recipes disguised as poems or poems disguised as recipes. You're listening to Gravy. 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 Stories of the changing American South told through the foods we eat. We're a production of the Southern Foodways Alliance, and I'm John T. Edge, your host. The SFA just published Vinegar and Char, a book of contemporary poetry about the American South. For this episode of Gravy, we share readings from six of the poets featured in the collection. From the beginning, the Southern Foodways Alliance has showcased poetry at our symposia and published poetry in our journal. We believe that poetry can be read and heard like the distilled essence of cultural belief. Editor Sandra Beasley recognizes that power too. When John T. Edge first approached me about putting this book together, we discussed the fact that we wanted it to both represent what SFA has done in the past and what they look forward to doing in the future. Sandra and the SFA decided to work with living poets, vital poets, poets who have something to say about the contemporary South and about our relationship to food and drink, and home and identity, and a plethora of other things. For this collection, SFA aimed to stretch and vary ideas about what is Southern. So that meant... Really wanting people representing different experiences, a gamut, in some cases immigrant experiences, in some cases just uh, subversions or fresh takes on foods that we've seen written about over and over. I really wanted to make sure that class came to the surface as well. I feel like the economics of food is something that we're really thinking about. I'm really proud of what this book does because on one hand, it does create a sustained conversation, even an argument about how food figures in verse. And yet it can be read in a way that is very casual, uh, very joyful. This is Michael McPhee reading my poem from Vinegar and Char. It's called Saltine. How well it's square fit my palm, my mouth, a toasty wafer slipped onto the sick tongue or into chicken soup. Each crisp saltine a tile pierced with thirteen holes in rows of three and two. Its edges perforated like a postage stamp. One of a shifting stack sealed in wax paper whose noisy opening always signaled snack. Peanut butter or cheese thick inside premiums, the closest we ever got to serving hors d'oeuvres. The Rednecks Hardtack, The Crackers Cracker. Food Stamps by Charlotte Ammons. Ma'am, I am standing directly on the yellow line. The line looks backward and ahead. Cars drive through me because I am thinking right here in the middle of Needmo Street listening to myself being crushed underfoot. I will move. I will scrape myself from the pavement when I am less busy. 
I will walk to grandma's in summertime and curl my hair with hot comb heat. I will chew backa and dip snuff because I always wanted caramel spit. I will dance in my bag of secrets because poetry is a thinking woman's job. Like welfare is poetry and waiting in wick lines is too. Ma'am, poetry don't ask for a thinking woman's income. So why the hell do you? Ode, Ileana Rocha. My Spanish is an itchy phantom limb. It is reaching for words and only finding air. Melissa Lozada Oliva, My Spanish. We are disappointments. We cannot make good of grief by giving it back to the tortilla, like my grandmother, burning it off her fingertips and into the dough, the front burner, a novella, in flames. We are unlit pilot light, she, Virginia Slim. We eat her smoke, we landscape the hot disks with butter that glistens and pearls like the way Erre leaves her mouth. We melt cheddar cheese, we add bacon and eggs, beans soaked overnight like her stubbornness. She cooks the bacon only to save the grease for the beans. She cooks the beans, then cooks the beans. Tortilla isn't a word that sounds like it lives anywhere near loss, but its location is mano, brazo, two places that have left the map of her. She tells us this is the last time she'll make them for us. She doesn't think she'll make it through many more nights of walking on water. The rolling pin hits the counter in its urgency, and we can't put love back where it came from like she does. Up next, we hear poet Adrian Sue talk of crabs, bluish and thirsty, packed tight as oranges. But first, here's a word from a donor who makes this podcast possible. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Lodge Cast Iron, a family-owned business in South Pittsburgh, Tennessee, has been making cast iron cookware since 1896. Lodge Cast Iron Camp Dutch Ovens are the first choice for campers preparing meals over a fire. Their skillets and griddles are perfect for searing steaks and roasting vegetables at home. And professional chefs from Atlanta to Los Angeles stock their kitchens with Lodge seasoned steel skillets and griddles. No matter what or where you cook, Lodge makes pots, pans, even griddles, just for you. For over 100 years of meals and memories, and for Lodge Cast Iron's support of this podcast, we say thanks. Savannah Crabs. Bluish and thirsty, packed tight as oranges. They come from the coast, 
in the iced trunk of the blue Buick our aunt drives. She's sunk in thoughts of dinner and not the tinges of dread that will stain her African violets as she tends a back pain. She does not think of her mother, who will die this fall under pink bedclothes without a good night. The eyelets of her gown will spell the Chinese words for loneliness, lovelessness, white birds. When our aunt and her passengers get to town, my brother and I crouch by the crate, poke slow ones with sticks. To escape, our parents chase them with tongs around the garden, then dump all 74 in the laundry room sink. They scuttle and flip like fat gymnasts. They amaze us kids. We salt them, singing, when it rains, it pours. They spit back curses. You'll ache, you'll smother. You'll never be able to talk to each other. My aunt has brought me a spiny, off-yellow shell, big as my hand. It sits on the dryer where I forget about it to watch the steamer, where waving hello and goodbye, the first mute batch reddens and stills. I think of my shell and go back. Out of it, welt-ridden legs grasp no sand. He's ugly, a hermit threatening. I peer in his house and read the prophecy. You'll find joy, but you must leave the family. Duck Cone Fee 4.06 a.m. late July Two blue feet bare on carpet in a refrigerated bedroom Is no time to ponder class prerogatives Nor is 4.08 Kitchen bulbs lengthening doorways Appropriate to reflect upon effete habits Or decades of your mother risen in the dark To tent a bloated November bird in foil And heat while the house slept by God soundly 4.11, I can assure you, is no time for indulgence, for silliness, to rethink life's bargain. It is the moment, instead, classes askew, to lift each thigh from overnight caress of garlic, fresh bay leaf, home-harvested thyme, to massage flesh under cold water with priestly certainty, free all excess of salt, lay each upon its palate of skin and fat. 4.15, moreover, is time for concubine to administer olive oil bath, up to the top and one quarter inch more for decadent measure. Four cups of green virgin first press, sampled from drowsy fingertips to drowsy lips. Priest? Concubine? Virgin? 417, subdued to 200 degrees. Think merely some thought of this sort. Fourteen hours remain between toil and ascendance creaking hinge of a dual-oven stove, door raised to closure, an expectant silence. 419, however, dog's distant wheeze unheard from your master bed, blazing day to come, still only suspicion behind any woods look to for solace. 419, when one may lower a switch and night commence its imponderable strategy. That's another story altogether. Think then what you will, once work is done, and sleep again, sweet prince, if you're able.
Why I Can't Cook for Your Self-Centered Architect Cousin by Beth Ann Fennelly. Because to me, a dinner table's like a bed. Without love, it's all appetite and stains. Let's buy takeout for your cousin or order pizza, his toppings. But I can't lift a spatula to serve him what I am. Instead, invite our favorite misfits over. I'll feed Shaggy Otis, who, after filet mignon, raised his plate and sipped Merlot sauce with such pleasure, my ego pardoned his manners. Or I'll call Mimi, the chubby librarian, who paused over tiramisu. I haven't felt so satisfied since then cried into its curls of chocolate. Or Randolph might stop by, who once, celebrating his breakup with the vegetarian, so packed the purseen of his wiry body with shrimp, he unbuttoned his jeans and spent the evening couched, waiting for the swelling to go down. Or maybe I'll just cook for us. I'll crush pine nuts unhinged from the cone's prickly shingles. I'll whittle the parmesan, and if I grate a knuckle, it's just more of me in my cooking. I'll disrobe garlic cloves of rosy sheaths, thresh the basil till moist, and liberate the oil. Then I'll dance that green joy through the fettuccine, a tumbling, leggy dish we'll imitate after dessert. If my embrace detects the five pounds you win each year, you will merely seem a generous portion. And if you bring my hand to your lips and smell the garlic that lingers, that scents the sweat you lick, from the hollows of my clavicles. You're tasting the reason that I can't cook for your cousin, my saucy, my strongly seasoned love. SFA thanks Sandra Beasley, who curated this beautiful collection. Read her work. Start with her 2010 book, I Was a Jukebox, and move on from there. We also thank our featured poets, Sherlet Ammons, Gaylord Brewer, Beth Ann Finley, Michael McPhee, Ileana Rocha, and Adrienne Sue. Gravy's theme music is by Wendell Patrick. Donor music is by Jazar. The managing editor for Gravy and all other SFA media is Sarah Camp Milo. Mary Beth Laster serves as our publisher. Jenny Ament, a podcast producer for Politico and contributing editor for The Organist, mixed this episode. Find Vinegar and Char at a bookstore near you. The full text isn't available on the SFA website, but everything else we do is there. Films, oral histories, articles from our quarterly print journal, also named Gravy. It's there, southernfoodways.org. While at southernfoodways.org, please consider a tax-deductible donation to the SFA. Your generosity helps fund all of our work, including this podcast.